This is a HeadGum Podcast. Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a miracle made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver-infused fabrics that actually make temperature-regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not, like, getting too hot or too cold or whatever. You know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind, miracle made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it like doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But More than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful, and it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made. Come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code FAKETHENATION at the checkout, and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today. You'll get 40% off. Use the promo code FAKETHENATION. Go to trymiracle.com slash FAKETHENATION. And Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fakethenation and use the code fakethenation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fakethenation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Fake the Nation, episode 292. Hello, hello, this is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about culture, and where we did join the cultural conversation by watching the Super Bowl halftime show. I'm your host, Nagin Farsad, and while I can comment extensively on Eminem's facial hair choices, I can't actually tell you who won the Super Bowl. I just realized I actually have no idea. Uh, And you know what? Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Let's just see if it accidentally happens in my ears. Today, we're going to talk about Canada. Oh, Canada. We're also going to reach in the grab bag of random stuff to talk about Burger King, where Americans are traveling. And we ask a big, fat existential question about comedy and its role in the world today. Just some little stuff, you know? I am very excited by this panel uh, because, I mean, I'm fans of both of these women. Uh, This first one is like... One of my old comedy buds. You've heard her on this show one million times. Uh, She's, first of all, if you ever get to see her live, why wouldn't you do this for your life? Your life would be vastly improved by just seeing this one person 
on a stage doing stand-up, okay? She's also got this podcast called Were You Raised by Wolves, which you should absolutely be subscribing to. And you've seen her on Colbert, which you could just go online right now and see a clip and then be so pumped up that you find out where she's performing live. It is the one and only Leah Bonema. Hey, Leah. Oh, my goodness. That feels so good. I almost want to lay down. It's like the, it's like the nicest. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. It's all true. It's all true. The great thing about this podcast, Leah, and you know this because you've been on so many times, is that I just get to book people who I think are amazing. It's just one of the, you know, lucky things about life, I think. Um, Total delight to go. be here. Delight I to mean, be here. So glad to have you. Now, next up on this panel, I have been a fan of this person for so long. I've never met her before. Um, she had this podcast called Trumpcast for, I guess, those four horrible years or a few horrible years. And she's just an excellent writer. She's a columnist at Wired. You've read her work in The Atlantic, in The Los Angeles Times. She's just smart and everywhere. She now has a podcast called This Critical Podcast, which again, why aren't you immediately subscribed? Pause this one and then subscribe <laughs> to that one and then come back to this one. It is the one and only Virginia Heffernan. Hey, Virginia. Wow. Thank you. I love that introduction. And Leah said the word delight. And that's what I feel. Delight. Like, we, Good. We're, we're, this is a high energy exercise. <laughs> I'm feeling. <laughs> I was told, I was told by another, who then, who was also on the podcast. I can't remember her name. She, she has the uh, books pod that I'm blanking on her name. But anyway, she was on a few weeks ago and she said that, um, she, that she feels like my intros make her become fans of people she's never heard of. <laughs> and she, like, she's immediately like, I guess I'm now a fan. And so she's like, she's like basically adopted all of my list of people I love, which I think is amazing. If that is an effect of this podcast, I'll take it. Um, speaking of effects of a podcast, we have a Patreon that you could also join. Um, you can go to patreon.com slash Nagin to support the show. You can support the show for as little as $1 a month. And you can get free stuff for as little as $4 a month. Um, you know, episodes of the show, essays, mugs, t-shirts. I mean, the whole nine. Not the whole nine. Just a limited number of things. Uh, I, you know what? I'm taking back my claim of the whole nine. But... You know, it would be great if you uh, supported this show for as little as a cup of a latte or a cafe au lait or an Americano. One of those a month. And, and the this, this show is um, it gets really heavily supported by you. So go to patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad and let us get into it with topic number one. Um, so there's a trucker convoy in Canada, which has enthralled the world. It's spread to parts of Europe and Australia, and it's probably coming here. Um, their stated aim is to get rid of the trucker vaccine mandate, but they're also against a bunch of stuff like mask mandates and how those mandates have affected schools and, and just generally, quote unquote, freedom um, in whatever way they take that to mean. Um, so I guess my first question is just like, what are your initial thoughts uh, on this uh, convoy, Virginia. All right. My initial thought is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> just that sound, just that sound. But yeah. then I have, because I just, because there is some, because I must have some issue in my brain. My other thought is, this is kind of interesting. And I'll tell you why I think it's more hmm. interesting okay. than, say, that insurrection of January 6th that you did you see on your TVs? 
<laughs> how those guys ran into the yeah. U.S. Capitol. So yeah. we just think it's a reprise of that, but it actually is somewhat more interesting. So I'm leaving aside the fact that we know there's some nefarious forces paying for it. We certainly know that there are neo-Nazis um, heavily involved in it. There have been some great kind of exposés of all everything that went into the making of this. The kind of thing that we're seeing in the analysis of January 6th in Congress right now is definitely alive and well here. And there's plenty of bad faith stuff, just like you, Nagin, just said about freedom being this kind of you know, a banner under which almost anything can be done. We know that the Teamsters have um, rejected this as a legitimate trucker protest. So there's nothing, there's not a union factor about it. It's practically irredeemable, except that I think it represented an opportunity for uh, Justin Trudeau to um, at least look like he was listening. And I'll tell you why. They ha- they did have one material demand in the beginning, which is that, and this is like complicated to understand, but they're passing back and forth because of whatever NAFTA is called right now. These truckers are driving into the United States from Canada and then into Mexico. Uh, in America, you can enter without a, you know, without a check on your vaccine status and without a, if you don't have the vaccine, you don't have to, to quarantine. In Canada, you can't. Mm-hmm. So you have Canadian citizens who drive down to the U.S., and when they drive back in, if they're not vaccinated, to get back in their own country, they have to quarantine, which opens the possibility for surveillance to check to be sure they're doing it right. I am not with the truckers on anything except that I think reasonable people can disagree, and we know that because in the United States we disagree that citizens of the country should have to and anyone else should have to quarantine for 10 days if they're not vaccinated. Since we believe that here, or at least that's our law here, it does seem like they might have had a conversation about reducing the quarantine to seven days or three days or virtually or extending it to 20 days. But in other words, paying attention a little bit to we are we're a democ we're all democracies now. The question is not are you still one hopes the question is not are you going to crush the protest? Because by the way, I'm a big fan of blocking traffic with critical mass bike protests, right? So blocking traffic, potentially good form of civil disobedience. But Trudeau couldn't even have a minute, just a minute to take a breath and say, is there something material here? And are we maybe making it kind of weird for people who, you know, have this preference for not getting the vaccine that they can't enter their country without this pretty onerous um, requirement that they quarantine. Yeah. So I just think that was a missed opportunity and it deepened the culture war instead of moving it out into actual political conversations. You know, Virginia, thank you because that take is like um, a bath. It's just like, it's a little, it could be a little warmer when you step into it, <laughs> but it's fine. You know what I mean? I'm not riled up. I'm not cold. I'm not, you know, it's, it was a very reasonable, reasonable takes Heffernan, they call you. <laughs> um, so Leah, you have experience in Canada. Is that how you pronounce it? Canada? Um, oh, Canada. And, 
Canada. <laughs> um, can you tell me what, did, you know, were you surprised that this came out of Canada? Because that's part of it, I feel like. Part of the reason it's making international news is just that how is this happening in Canada that they're so nice? Mm, I mean... I've always known Canada was sassy. So um, <laughs> for those listening at home who don't know, I, I went to university there uh, uh, to get a breast reduction um, because I couldn't get it paid for in the United States. So I owe the, <laughs> I owe the Canadian citizens a huge debt of gratitude uh, for paying for that. I, um, I love Virginia's take. So thoughtful. Um, I just flew back from Honduras. And everybody's different with the vax card and the not vax card. But now you have to get your 24 hour, you have to get your 24 hour COVID test on both sides. And then I find it so funny. Then you get into the country and it's mayhem. You know what I mean? You're like on domestic flights and you're like, what just happened? But um, my, one of my things that I really caught my eye in this is I love how the, my body, my choice, keep your laws off my body has been co-opted by this group who is probably at least 50% made up of uh, people who join the right to life marches. You know what I mean? I just, it drives me so crazy. What if, um, what if we did a deal just on like Virginia's reasonableness train? If we did a deal with the right to life people where we're like, you can do your not vaccinating if we can do our abortings. The thing I was thinking about that the thing is is that you can do your not vaccinating. You just either have to test right. or quarantine. And right. as That's Virginia true. said, it would be a great discussion of what is the appropriate amount of days. You know what I mean? I also find this idea that like um, the freedom is antithetical to collective good is just mm. not healthy. Yeah. 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 Like, because you're then that one character in power of the dog who's really heinous. It's like, I think part of it is this like glamorization that no one is your boss and you're just in the, uh, you know, the great American West uh, and you're just like, you know, braiding rawhide. And like, I think that's, (laughs) you know, and it's it's like a weird, (laughs) like it's a weird, um, I think people forget that freedom also comes with regularly scheduled garbage collection, right? Like we've all agreed that freedom looks a particular way that that is that you know that is based on a social contract. There's still a contract involved in our yes. type of democratic freedom and I think people sort of it's like, I mean maybe we could be like okay so what if you guys don't have to have any you don't do a vaccine and you don't get your garbage collected you have to deal with that on your own as well <laughs> like, i don't know like can we i'm yeah i'm a little like let's where's the deal that we can make here <laughs> that makes where they're you know where me where somebody wins um i i do i mean i like to win as much as the next person but back to the snoozer kind of rational role and usually by the way i'm hysterical so i'm really trying this new i'm really trying a new a new like manly approach manly mm, manly mm, you know yes. where you ha- get the last word and you explain everything so here goes um, do you so there's this philosopher here really sounds like this but there you know this philosopher bertrand russell of the 20th century he oh had, who does it who, who doesn't do think not, about russell on everybody's okay, lips. Yes. Mm. he um but he had this idea that if you were deciding about whether to go to war with another country 
you needed to sub in the name of a different country to find out if you still wanted to go to war, right? Ooh, okay. fun. So, I feel like that's good advice for uh, like friend skirmishes as well. Oh my gosh, you're right. Which is just yeah. like, ah, this one was late. But what if Megan was late? Then right, it would have exactly. been fine. Yeah, 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 right. Exactly. So that's the thing here. So I was sort of like, I mean, look, I've had ma- have friends who've gone down, who've fallen for the demon anti-vax thing in the past. On the left, on the Yoganon direction, yoga, you know, pastel <laughs> Q, um, yeah. conspirituality thing. And when they were against the MMR vax, I was worried and I was like, oh, I'm going to sit you down and say why you should get vaccinated. I'll just explain it to you like this. You know, I'll just give you a brochure about how important it is. And you know what? It didn't work. So I kind of have decided that people's obsession with, you know, no GMOs or no gluten or no vaccines is a little bit this like weird sacrosanct thing that is not responsive to to logic and when we think about those hippie friends of ours who like what if they were forced to eat meat or what if they were whatever you could start to sub them into this and if they were like in a merry happy you know kind of spiritual dance jamboree and they were trying to come over the border and they were told they had to vaccinate and or quarantine I don't know maybe we would be a little more maybe we would think that they at least should be talked to you know Right. And, but but that's not to say they're also not Nazis, but I was sort of thinking it's kind of cool when they're not, you know, negotiating for con- they're not hoping to get concentration camps out of their protest. Like this one time that they want something that, you know, we could actually talk about. And and I should point out that the form of protest where the trucks has also spread to some parts of Europe, it's in Australia, and they're p- planning something for March in DC. What do you think, like, Leah, the use of trucks and cars in this way? And do you think it's like a whole the, a holy grail of rallies? Um, I do think it's a, a visually strong form of civil disobedience and it physically blocks things. I do feel like we're escalating to this point where... Um, there will be no communicating. That's what it seems like. I feel mm, like we're getting to this point right. where people just disagree and it, there seems to be no, like when people dialogue, then other people are angry that we're dialoguing. It, I just, I don't know, maybe I'm in a negative space, imagine, but it just seems <laughs> that this would just be another is right. another symptom of where we're going. Right. Because it, it, because, well, I think, I mean, a couple of things are interesting. I do think it's interesting that the, the, the spirituality ones and the QAnon ones are together because the vibe at the actual rally is in what at some points like lovely and like, you know, let's hug each other. Um, and then at other points, like scary and it, there's a Confederate flag or whatever. Right. So both of those things are true. It hasn't been violent. The one in Canada, I should point out, there hasn't been any outbreaks. Well, of violence. actually, I think Trudeau, now that he's like putting down the protesters has said, and he, I mean, I should call this up, but has said that there are exa- been examples of violence, I know that everyone oh, was okay. worried that people, someone was pissing on the tomb of the unknown soldier. And, uh, yeah. But, I, you know, I was kind of I like, mean, folks, this is a, I have, uh, from from the limited things that I've read, uh, they hadn't reported violence up until whatever, like 
yeah. some article dated yesterday. But yes, I'm sure there has been some uh, urination. <laughs> well, by the way, I mean, I, you know, I don't know about you all, but I definitely grew up with the the sacred right to burn the American flag. And somehow things moved into such a weird direction that you can't even kneel before the flag, you know, lest you be, cut, you know, cut out of your profession. So I <laughs> care about the piss, the pissing on the tomb of the unknown soldier. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that Trudeau had to f- wait till there was violence, just like Trump with Antifa. Sure. In yeah. order to like tee up some bunk. But then also, you know. weirdly, again, in a way that I don't understand, Canada, four provincial premiers, which I guess were sort of like county mayors or something, have ended some of the vaccine mandates. And they've also ended mass mandates. I mean, the weird thing is for, for the whatever that may or may not be planned for March in, in D.C. is like we don't have the same mandates. There isn't like one thing for who part of what's happening in Canada and what's happening in the rest of the world um, by by the way, a minority of people, because over 85% of Canadians are vaccinated. So exactly. please keep in mind that this is not like everybody's doing it. This is like some like mi- minority, minority, minority group of people are doing this. It's just that the trucks are big. It's just trucks mm. make make it look like a bunch of people when it really isn't. Um, they're just they're sort of just protesting against like the concept of a vaccine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. They're just sort of like, yep. And then Just and then waiting protesting. and then waiting to be quote canceled or or subdued right, so that right, then they right, can right. be mad about that. Right. Uh, Leah, last thoughts here. Well, I, what about- you just said really tickled, tickled my heart. I think it basically like people are just being like, I don't want to be told what to do, even though if they waited, obviously, we ha- these people are taking down the mass mandates because the we're getting better slowly. You know what I mean? It's like, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. you could just wait two weeks. You know what I mean? Yeah, I Can we all just try I to mean, work together? Point, they've removed the mass mandate in like most of the, yeah. no, I don't know, Northeast, uh, in New York, Connecticut. That's why, right. that's why, sorry, I know you want to move on, but that's why I think Trudeau could have easily been like that parenting technique where he's like, yeah. oh my God, I've really listened to your demands and you guys, you're so smart. I am definitely going to reduce the quarantine by a day. Thank you so much much for your input. And you know? one thing I would say as the mother of a toddler, a little like um, note to Trudeau, he can try offering a single chocolate chip <laughs> nice. for every truck that's removed, right? So that smart. Works. That nails it. Really it really works. So take that with you, Trudeau. I know you listen to this podcast. All right. We're going to take a quick break um, to learn about our sponsors. And when we come back, we will talk about other things. This HeadGum Podcast is brought to you by Aura Frames. That is right. Uh, from grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an Aura Frame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, wow. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an Aura Frame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there. And you know what? You can update it with an app. So every time you take a new picture of a sweet little 
uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. Headgum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm -hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code headgum at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And we are back and we're ready for topic number two. There's a really ridiculous um, piece that I want to talk about, which is the Burger King is battling with McDonald's by launching something called the Big King. I don't even this. I, I was just um, intrigued because I don't think we've ever talked about fast food on this show before. So I was just like, let's talk about fast food for like two minutes here. Um, I did it. First of all, I guess I didn't even realize that there was still a rivalry. I mean, I thought we it had just been that Burger King knew it was number two, and then that was just how we all lived. <laughs> yes. We all just lived that way with knowing that in our lives. Yeah. Um. But Burger King really is trying to change the game here with the Big King, which looks like a Big Mac. I mean, it is a Big Mac. There's two beef patties, a toasted sesame bun, four little American cheese slices, lettuce, diced onions, pickles, and stacker sauce the big difference with the big mac is the middle third layer of bun so if you want a slightly slightly more bun in your mouth feel <laughs> then you would do the big mac but if you want slightly less bun you would do the burger king uh my question for you both is did you even know that there was still such a thing as fast food wars. <laughs> I mean, you know how there was some moment in the 90s where it was just like, and we have all decided that capitalism has won. Mm -hmm. and, it was just like, <laughs> and this will never be undone. Um, right. That's how I feel what happened with the Big Mac. I was just like, well, that is it has swept the world and the nation and the, you know, every single person knows that that's the big one and secret sauce is the thing <laughs> and good time for a challenge from the right, from the left. It's just a, it's a, it got primaried <laughs> unbeknownst to us. I don't like the bread in the middle um, uh, yeah, of the Big Mac. See, uh, yeah. So I might try the Big King. Um, and it also got marginally better reviews for its slightly mm. crunchier, which is to say, not just falling apart in disintegrated, you know, green <laughs> paste, um, lettuce. 
Well, the other thing, Leah, my question for you is like, I also, you know, I grew up in Southern California, so there was a lot of fast food in my life. Living in New York, fast food is somehow less, mm-hmm. it's like weirdly less available, like because I think other things are so much more available. So when it comes, and I don't subscribe to like, I'm in a bubble where I don't understand anything, like what, just because I live in New York City, like I feel like I do understand some things because of the just less availability of fast food in New York. Um, uh, or just like the greater availability of like the mom and pop shop that's making a burger at the same cost, but it's like made by hand, you know, by someone whose name, you know, like it just doesn't make sense to go to the fast food change. You know what I mean? So I guess like does fast food still have some kind of a charm in this kind of bifurc, you know, in this like uh, what's the word diffuse culture we now live in? Well, I, you know, I grew up in rural Maine, so, you know, we had to, like, get in a car and cross county lines to eat fast food. (laughs) (laughs) And also my mother, the anti-processed food uh, woman that she is, I wasn't allowed to have fast food. And so I can't, I can't eat it. It, You know, so many years without it, your body's like, I'm not put, I I can't process it. So I've actually never had a Big Mac. Um, Oh, oh, nice. Okay. You know what I recommend to you is if you go to France, um, listeners may know I've had some experiences there. (laughs) I I believe Um, I know as well. And (laughs) Leah Leah may know. Virginia, you don't know this about me. I've had some experiences in France. And um, one thing that I recommend is when you're there, like just don't eat any fast food obviously eat french food but when you're really drunk and you only have one option that's open it's okay to quietly under the cover of night wearing sunglasses walk into a mcdonald's and just have a royale with cheese just so you Mm. actually taste a little different there isn't isn't that what john travolta's character says in pulp fiction about royale with cheese yeah yes that was um that is a documentary about uh, (laughs) mcdonald's it's a great documentary also macdo do they call it macdo macdo i think that it might taste better maybe that it does i mean i think because they have like rules about meat and stuff like that over there (laughs) which is so Really? Why would we have rules? I will say that moving to California and having a car, I enjoy the drive-through. It is. It seems so like That's just a. Del- I'm bringing back the it. word delight. It's just you go. You're maybe you're in your jammies. Probably yeah, your dogs yeah. in the back. Oh yeah. You roll up, and I have hit that in and out. Um, and I enjoy the protein style. I get an in and out protein style. With the fries. And I'll tell you, I feel like I'm doing something dirty and exciting at the same time. Listeners, I want you to tell me if you've had the Big King. Where are you at? Has this, it did, has, have fast food wars figured into your life in any way whatsoever? But the next little piece of um, info in the cultural grab bag is that they released some numbers. I think it was like Delta or something released numbers on where people are traveling so they've so a bunch of people are now booking their summer vacations and here's the top five places americans are going i thought some of these were interesting okay so at number five is los angeles number four is paris number three folks 
Orlando. Number two, New York City. What, what? And number one, London. Also rounding out the top 10 are Las Vegas, what? Honolulu, Rome, Dublin, and Barcelona. Uh, so those are the top 10 places that people um, are trying to go this summer. Were you surprised by any of those in the top 10? Sadly, no. I mean, I guess, I don't know if this is my snoozer rationality, but I just was like, that seems about right. I know they tried to spin it, that they're going to be going to some weird places. And I was so excited for, you know, Omaha or Portland, Maine. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, um, and then, you know, I guess I'm a little surprised. I thought that the, the youths went to went to Thailand still, but I could, and, or Costa Rica, but I have, I could have that wrong. Costa Rica, I could have, I could have imagined on this list. I guess. But they just hit hit Europe. I mean, they're, it's just like the most bullseye, do you know, obvious, obvious thing. And all my, you know, Irish American people going back to trace their relatives and yammer about genealogy. um, That sounds like, you know, that sounds like the, the last 30 years, but maybe I'm being, We have a lot of British listeners of this show. Now, London is number one on the list. The thing that happens with Americans who are traveling abroad for the first time is they always go to London because the language, there's no language barrier and they're afraid of language barriers, I think. I've I've heard this a lot from friends and da, da, da. My recommendation is go to a place where you do have a language barrier because it's so interesting. Like Orlando. I mean, like Orlando. (laughs) (laughs) The language of Mickey Mouse. Um, I was actually surprised by Orlando being on the list because I didn't realize, I guess it just didn't, like the top 10 destinations Americans are traveling to, like that's, I, I guess everyone wants to go to Disney World, but I didn't realize that they did. Leah, were you surprised by this list? No. Um, I do think people are hitting hitting back the big cities and Disney. I mean, I'm a huge fan. I'm not going to lie. Okay. Um, right. I went okay. to Disneyland on my birthday um, in California. And I'm not surprised. I mean, I'm an adult woman. And when I walked through the gates, I, I was almost welled up. Um, and they're playing the music and I mean I recognize that these are people in outfits but I was like I waved I couldn't control myself it was just it's a hearkening back to childhood that probably didn't exist but it was just a delightful time and I think people like to live a fantasy if you know that Leah is also a huge fan of Hallmark uh, Christmas movies oh yes um. Then this Helps really put makes it all sense. together. Yeah. Put. Yeah. 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 This really fake, brings a-, a fake happy world. A fake happy world. Come on. Yes. You just I, need some okay. shots of it for like five hours. You know what I mean? You're like, can I just get a five hour fake sees and then I'll go back in it. I went for a walk with my daughter, then 11, um, early, pretty early in the pandemic. And she was like really pensive. And then she said, and this is the just truth, not a punchline. She said, can I ask you something? Is Disney World the happiest place on earth? (laughs) (laughs) And um, I thought for a second, I don't know, I was maybe anticipating meeting Leah. And I said, (laughs) you know, yes. It is. Studies, numbers, there's a lot of numbers 
reflecting <laughs> that it is the happiest place on earth. By the way, um, I think technically you should have been like, I'm sorry, it's technically Bhutan. Oh, and let me that's show you right. the happiness reports. That's I right. Think like, I think Denmark, Bhutan, like these are the happiest places on earth. <laughs> Dis- Disney World hasn't even figured in the top 10 so far as I know. Listeners do research that. Um, so, uh, but I, you know, if you want to lie to your daughter, just bold face lie to her face. It was the beginning of the pandemic. I wanted her to have something to look forward to. No, of I'll course. disabuse her now that we're coming back. Now that the disinformation torrent of that I call parenting, um, I'll send you some articles that you can share with her. Thank you. Um, you can actually go to Denmark in Disney World. So, <laughs> oh yeah, oh, there, there it is. Does, does Bhutan have? But a can you go World? to Star Wars <laughs> in Denmark? No, I don't think so. So. Oh my God, Lee, I haven't gone since I was in high school to Disneyland. We used to go every year because I, again, I grew up in Southern California. Um, oh, it's so okay. fun. Uh, by the way, I just want to also point out that um, two thirds of likely travelers are looking for beautiful scenery and they're expecting uh, RV sales to be on the rise and they're expecting state parks, which have been, I think, historically difficult to book, like camping there, to continue to be difficult. So if you want to go to a state park, Get it, go get it, because uh, that shit's about to run out. Very popular, very popular. Um, with people not named Nagin, I haven't camped in a meaningful way in my life, I want to say. I keep meaning to, like, rip this Band-Aid off and see what it's about. Do um, it. But I feel like I'd have to buy a new pair of shoes. I'm just <laughs> a little stressed out about what I would wear. So anyways, it's a, a conversation for another time. All right. Let us move on to the next topic, but before we do, a quick uh, check-in on races to watch. Folks, what are the races that we're watching? Um, Because it's just a gentle reminder that we're about to get into some midterm elections and some state and local elections, and you guys should just, like, really calmly and happily and joyfully get involved. Okay, Michael uh, wrote to us about Meg Rosenfeld running for the 139th Pennsylvania House District. Her priorities are healthcare access, improving the education system, protecting the environment, and aging infrastructure. So check out Meg Rosenfeld in Pennsylvania's 139th. Jay in Alaska wants you to look at Senator L.V. Gray Jackson, who just joined the Senate race against Murkowski. Um, She's the only Democrat in the race right now, and Jay had a great experience with her um, in the Anchorage Assembly. So take a look. Again, it's um, L.V. Gray Jackson, running uh, the only Democrat running against Murkowski. Joshua uh, wrote to ask us to look at the Working Families Party for phone banking opportunities. The Working Family have these welcome gatherings that you can find, um, and they'll tell you all about the Working Families Party, which is a coalition of working families of all races. Um, Josh really hopes that, you know, Fake the Nation listeners will join their phone banks. You can go to workingfamilies.org, and there's a link on the homepage to the welcome gatherings. Um, And phone banking is just a really great way. I just, uh, for what it's worth, I voted on the Working Families Party line um, in local races in New York City. So um, I, I have been known to believe what they're doing. But check it out for yourself at uh, workingfamilies.org. Uh, now let's move into topic number three. So we read a piece in Vox called Comedy's Existential Crisis by Aja or Asia, sorry, 
for the mispronunciation, Romano. And the piece stated, um, started by quoting Whitney Cummings, who said on Twitter recently that, quote, comedians didn't sign up to be your hero. It's our job to be irreverent and dangerous, to question authority and take you through a spooky mental haunted house so you can arrive at your own conclusions. Stay focused on the people we pay taxes to, to be moral leaders. So my question for you both is, and I'll start with you, Leah, um, we're both comedians. Romano asks a question, like the central question of her pieces, um, is the point of comedy to be funny or to teach moral lessons? And so I, I guess I wonder where you think we are as comedians. This is obviously in the wake of the Joe Rogan stuff. We ta- we did talk about Joe Rogan and Spotify and, and the responsibilities there. Um, but now I guess it's just sort of like, in general... What are comedian? Where is comedy? I felt the job of comedy or comedians. When I think comedy is at its best is when each comedian is bringing their most self to their comedy. Some comics are moral truth tellers. Other comics are, um, you know, like commenting on the things they see. Some people are set up punch. And I think that that's what's great about comedy is that there are so many voices. And ideally we would have as many voices as possible doing their most comedic self. And I think that some people's goals for like, I've always been a storyteller who tries to talk about sort of social issues and that's who I am. And I feel like if I talk about things that affected me, hopefully other people will relate and feel like they're in it. Well, in it together. And I feel that that's, what's great about comedy is you're allowed to be different and have different reasons for being in it. Ideally, we don't punch down. I feel like that's a thing that we've tried to discuss. But Mm. I feel like some people are inherently truth tellers. That's what they brought to the game. But other people, they sort of do it as more of like an entertainment distraction. They're doing set of punch jokes. And I feel like both are valuable if that's who you are as a person. Virginia, what did you make of this piece? Do you feel like... Um, there's too much moralizing in comedy today, not enough, just right. Where do you stand? Well, I, all I want to do is deliver a setup punch right now. I, but I, I just <laughs> learned that that's the name for it and I really like it. Um, I, I also have now a new appreciation for some reason for, cause my kids are watching, um, sitcom, network sitcoms, um, mm. laugh tracks. We just need more of them. They need to come at exactly mm. the right pace. Yeah. I mean, if, I feel like if we all had laugh tracks in our, like, peripheral hearing like we used to like someone's watching a sitcom over, yeah, yeah, over yeah, here yeah. we would f- it works right it's like <laughs> it works I, you just laugh a lot okay um I liked this piece because it is really interesting that Dave Chappelle and Ricky Gervais and all the shocking outlaw guys that love to like bag on trans people um have turned so dour they are the ones now try to fight for the right to be funny in a very not funny way. So they're the ones lecturing us. Um, and, um, you know, Nanette, supposedly they had a Gatsby show as the case in point about, you know, things getting too sincere. That thing was hilarious. So I don't really know. Like, I think we're pointing fingers in the wrong directions about what's, what's the, who are the people still being funny and who aren't. Um, I'll just like wrap with something since I'm not a comedian about, um, I used to take this, I took a class when I was in college and it was, there was this really great professor. It was really great talking about Wordsworth and Keats. And then Mm -hmm. this one 
horrible famous famous stand-up comedians in their own time yeah they usually yes, exactly yeah. exactly just call, <laughs> a call back to them it was like richard Pryor, wordsworth and Keith. um i um i and then one horrible day he apparently went to a conference and learned about feminism and learned something that he didn't like about feminism as as white guys do mm. and he came back and he spent the whole rest of the semester not talking about his cool good thing about Wordsworth but just talking about how mad he was at feminists and that's what I feel like has happened to the you know Ger- Gervais Chappelle set like just remember that I wrote the song a long time ago. Remember like Tupac Shakur, mm. like predicting his own death song on, on the Chappelle show. That was so good. And now Chappelle's so worried about whatever that he just like shows nothing but panic in his shows. So I guess I'm sort of du- seconding what Leah said. St- like stay with your, your good, stay with your calling, like stay with who you really are. Don't get distracted. Um, because Ricky Gervais was really great before he started, worrying that he was canceled and then whatever i think that's where things drain out where you start to get worried too much about how you're being perceived in the culture and then worse try to manage how you're being perceived it's funny because there's a little bit like don't uh don't that what's that that old adage of like don't explain don't complain don't complain don't explain or whatever and i feel like they do they're doing a lot of complaining that feels like and it's just like unseemly i feel like there's definitely the, there's like clubs where they pick clubby comics and then there's um, rooms. Yeah. Clubby comics. And that's yeah. how I sort of see. And I definitely feel there's more. Right. Like you'll be in a, a space that's more of a room and you'll be like, oh, I feel more supported of being more um, talking about different things. Um, and, and, but I also feel like they're completely different formats as well. At clubs, they got to get you in. They got right. to give, give you two drinks. You have to have a certain kind of a set where it's punchy, 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 punchy. Yeah, yeah. That's just um, true. Whereas your artism can be nurtured more, I think, yeah, in yeah, rooms. Yeah. But they're different. It's a different kind of a show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Regardless of what who yeah, the performer yeah. is, it's sort of like what kind of performance is happening. So here's the, my big question. The, the piece points out that half of teens trust YouTubers and social media influencers over TV news. Um, and of course, you know, we know that newspaper outlets have seen like dumb, dwindling subscribers over the years. So my question is why? Like, why are audiences looking to people who have no real expertise, commentators um, who have no real expertise or, or news standards, right? Um, instead of going to trusted sources, uh, why are trusted sources for things on the decline? And in this, this goes to like the thing of like some people trust Joe Rogan more, which is like, why would you ever do that? You know, than over trusting a new news outlet more. Um, and Virginia, you're in the biz of mm-hmm. journalism. <laughs> so where, why do you think that's happening? I mean, there's a great, there was a great study by Jay Rosen, the the media critic, or I should say a great set of observations by him that we, there's, you know, there are really only very few times that people, good and bad people, and on the right side and the wrong side of every issue, go to what would have been called a wire report about facts, like some kind of bullet facts, what used to be facts on file. So I think we all... Like like AP or or Reuters or something. And even AP and Reuters now have like color leads and like certain details that like make it stand out as, you know, having some degree of in the info. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but so I don't think we should just like bag on everyone who wants to get their news from people, you know, with faces and who make jokes and who, you know, I mean, you know, like what we're doing or what I do on my podcast, you know, it comes with music. It comes with gags, step punch. What's that thing called? Again? <laughs> set, set, up, set up punch. Set up, set up punch. It comes <laughs> from a little, and my efforts at set up punch and a laugh track and whatever else. And so I think that it makes complete sense. And this is, this is actually Jay Rosen's point that some news you maybe come to for bullet points. You know, I, I sometimes like, you know, sometimes I just want to get the five things or often like you're looking something up and you're just like, how tall is the Empire State Building or how many people are vaccinated? Um, and you just want a number. But lots of times you want to feel like you're with your friends and you're with a group of people whom you trust. And this is what drives people to panel shows on MSNBC and Fox News. You know, I, I listen. My mom will sometimes start a conversation with me with like, yeah, Rachel thinks this thing, the midterms aren't going to be as bad as whatever. And I have to be like, that Rachel? Oh, Rachel. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> she is just sitting with Rachel Maddow. And sometimes I'll be like, where'd you hear that? And she's like, I, Ra- Rachel, you know, that's just a person <laughs> that I talk to and hear a lot from. And, you know, I mean, people kind of like cathecting right. on to you guys and is like, you know, that seems to make sense. And it, talking to a YouTuber, I mean, seeing seeing my YouTube friends talk to me um, is like pretty intimate, you know? Um, and I have to say, I know that I stand at a particular like um, crossroads of this issue because I am one of these people that does talk about the news. Yeah. <laughs> and I am also a comedian. So what the fuck, Nagin? But um, I don't know. I hope or try or aspire to have some sort of honesty about what I do and don't know and and all that stuff and I think I think Leah's point about there just being a diversity of types of comedians like you can you you know right now we might have a trend of some of these you know specials um on HBO Max or Netflix or whatever like being the popular type of special the one where like you know Aziz Ansari is like whispering in everyone's ears about like social ills or something and that that could just be a trend right now but the fact of the matter is if you want just like dumb stuff like there's also plenty of comedians that'll just give you some simple jokes that are fun and they're not making a point about society or whatever. Uh, or you can get a combination or you can get... And, and I think where I stand as a podcaster who deals with the news and a comedian and all that stuff is um, I do feel like I have a responsibility. So I try to not be a dick about it. But who I could fail sometimes. I don't know. And so I think what I would love is for people to have their... Um, you know, Peter Jennings type figure or whatever that they like. I trust it when that guy tells me facts. Uh, and I like it when Nagin says something idiotic after I've learned the facts, you know, um, that is kind of yeah. what I hope from audiences. Uh, one thing I think both of you do is just like there's sort of an and Rachel Maddow, too, is like an anti gaslighting thing where you're kind of constantly holding this emotional line that's like, right, it's okay. You're seeing the same things I'm seeing. Some of this stuff is really shocking and stomach churning and you're w- we're, I'm with you on it. And that is sort of, I think, a really a good use of comedy, even if it's even if it doesn't seem like it's got some social justice mission, it has a feeling of like solidarity with your audience, you know? 
Leah, last thoughts. My thought was, um, it's, 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 when I was reading the article, I, a thing I did think about, I was on a podcast recently and we were talking about Joe Rogan and then it bre- broke into a Louis C.K. thing. And I, and this sort of struck me. I do feel like often we get stuck with these, the people like in this case, it's a definitely more men um, being like, Hey, I don't want to be censored. This is that. And then we all end up talking about that. And so I said, I, I'm, at a certain point, I don't even want to, I think it's important dialogue to have, but at a certain point, I don't want to keep talking about it. I want to highlight some women doing some cool things mm-hmm. over here because I feel like we just keep getting pulled. Yeah. And then oh, they keep great, sort of, it's point. like a circle where we're all talking yep. about what, how these guys feel about, yes. and you're like, I, I don't even, I don't even like, I'm not even going to pay it. You know what I mean? Do you right. feel which one feel? But I'm yep. going to focus on these women over here who right. are doing these cool things who are not getting any attention for it because we're all like, how do these guys that already have millions of dollars and tens of specials feel today you know what I mean <laughs> right, right. and I yeah. was like I mean I don't yeah. even what about, what about going point. there's yep. so much going on over here that gets no attention so yep. I feel like that's another part of that story where it's like there's all this other stuff and if we all are just like you know what whatever maybe we could highlight these other things if we pay you know what I mean Yep. Right. It's like the, the it's the more attention you give, the more attention it gets. It's uh, completely an excellent point. Um. All right, folks. That is uh the end of the show. I am so happy you guys joined me today. This was so delightful. But what I would really love is for the people of Fake the Nation to be able to follow you and all of the wonderful things that you do. Virginia Heffernan, where do they do that? So the podcast is called This is Critical. It's confusing because the handle on Twitter is This Critical Pod. Oh, but it's called yeah, this, this is, is critical. critical. No, sorry it's, about that. It's meant to bring, <laughs> you know, critical thinking to culture high and low. Um, we have an episode coming up on the red pilling of yoga world, my favorite subject, and it's all those kind of things. So at this critical pod, I'm at page 88 on Twitter. I would describe the amount of time I spend there as 100%. So you're probably <laughs> like, likely to see me there. Um, and, uh, and look for me in Wired Magazine too, because I'm there, uh, I'm there uh, on the reg. Uh, Leah, where do they find you? Well, I just want to do a quick shout out. If you're in Colorado, I'm going to be headlining the Vail Comedy Show on February 24th. Oh my gosh. Which I'm excited. I've never been to Colorado. And if you live in Los Angeles, I'm running my hour at Lyric Hyperion, which is a super cool uh, theater space on March 7th, 9th and 11th. Um, and you can get all of the links to the tickets on my Instagram, on my link tree, which is at Leah Bonema, L-E-A-H-B-O-N-N-E-M-A. And those links are on my Twitter as well. Folks, Colorado, you can see her. Los Angeles, you can see her. I mean, what are you waiting for? And I'm going to be announcing um, some dates where you can see me. May 6th, we know already. I'm going to be in Worcester. Uh, Don't look at my website yet. It's not up. I haven't done it. I haven't updated, but it will be. Um, Is that Worcester, Mass? You're in Worcester? Worcester, In Massachusetts, which apparently is (laughs) 
full of assholes, I'm told. Um, <laughs> They're going to be fantastic. They're going to be great. Um, and uh, and I'm going to be at Solid Sound Festival um, in the Berkshires, also in Massachusetts. What? I can't get enough. Um, and there's and we're literally adding more dates because I'm going to be. I'm also taking this hour out onto the streets of America to see what happens if anybody gives a shit. And I hope that you do. Um, so definitely uh, look for those. But what I would really love to do is thank the wonderful people that make this show happen. That's our fantastic producer, Danielle Jones-Wesley, our amazing audio engineer, Stephanie Aguilar, and the wonderful people at HeadGum. All of them so great, so lovely. Our uh, theme music was written by the amazing Gabby Alter. And um, you can email us at fakethenation at headgum.com. Again, that's fakethenation at headgum.com if you have races to watch that we should be shouting out on the show. If you have um, guest ideas, segment ideas, we're all ears at fake the nation at headgum.com. And again, you can join my Patreon at patreon.com slash Nikita Farsad. And we will be back in your earballs next week. That was a headgum podcast. <laughs>